and welcome to another edition of the 16-Ounce Canvas, the Art of Craft Beer Podcast. My name is AJ Kearns, and I am proud to be your host here each and every week as we do our part to introduce you to the artists and designers from around the world who help bring some of our favorite beers and breweries to life. This week, folks, is no different. We are in the midst of season 15, but as we discuss in this episode, first of all, 15 seasons, holy shit, but every time we do seasons, we have an artist you know, here or there that life, things happen, we can't connect timing-wise, and don't, we keep a list, and we're always trying to, to, to right the wrongs. You know, it happened early on with uh, Vincent Sapfu when we were in uh, Amsterdam, and I forgot a cable, and the recording that we did just sounded terrible. And so we've been wanting to get Julie on for a while. She was part, supposed to be part of season 12, but uh, just due to reasons uh, out of my control and you know hers, it just didn't work out. But we came to learn of Julia through the work that she's done with Equilibrium Brewing, but as you'll learn from this episode, there's just so much more to her story, her energy, uh, her perspective, her hustle, how she sees things, really the, you know, the importance of community. It is just, uh, it's, a, it's a great episode. I think you'll really find, you know, inspiration from this. I think you'll be inspired. I think that you'll have a great perspective on, you know, how you see things. I know that we are in a really weird time where, you know, people are seeing things differently. You know, you could say, hey, look at this, you know, look at the stripes here. And they would say, no, 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 those are, those are definitely, those are definitely black polka dots. And you say, no, no, they're white stripes. Uh, and then you say, hey, I'm Jack White. And then they say, no, no. But we're in a weird time right now. I think that we're, you know, definitely going to be, you know, at, at a pivot point. And I think things will we're moving in the in the right direction. You know, it might take a little, little slow to get there at, at times, but it is a positive, and we're really happy to be able to share this episode with you and you know her story. I think it's just uh, I think we're you know we should have we should have met earlier, but we didn't, and then here we are. And you know, it reminds me. Uh, and real quick, you can follow along with Julia at Julia Green Artist who sings. And that's her Instagram. And then from there, you can go to jgreenaws.com. And then from there, you'll find her Etsy store and be able to support. And we talk about all the cool things that she's doing. So I don't want to, I don't want to spoil that for you. But talking about being in the right place and things happening, you know, just kind of a, a really positive story the other day. You know, I had to go to the doctors and I was freaking out because I had this lump or thing in my jaw. And I don't know, you just kind of get these racy thoughts and, you know, go down this rabbit hole and, for whatever reason, we will just blame it on human error, but, you know, there's a very strong likelihood that it was my mistake. I went to the wrong office. I thought my appointment was there, and it wasn't. So I'm walking out, and I'm kind of like, ah, oh, this sucks, you know. Um, I was walking on the sidewalk of the of the doctor's office, and an older gentleman had been in his, you know, late 80s, was very tall, you know, say 6'3", just for the story, and, and frail, and just kind of confused. And it was sad. And, you know, I was walking on the sidewalk and I just noticed, you know, that I, maybe I walked in his trajectory or walking the, the, you know, his few steps ahead that he had, had set up and he gets, he just kind of tried to stop himself. He started to fall back, uh, off the curb in the, in the, in the parking lot. And then from there I noticed it just wasn't going to end well. And so 
long story short, he stumbled a little bit and then like, you know, like a tree in the woods just started to fall forward. And thankfully, because I kind of had the sense that that was going to happen, you know, I was really close to him. I was able to catch him and prevent him from something really terrible happening. And so, I don't know. I don't necessarily know if I believe in, you know, right place, right time and, you know, all that uh, high level stuff. But um, it was just, you know, I think things sometimes, you know, like that work out for the, for the better. And I think that this episode with, with Julia and where she is and what she's doing, you know, if we had talked to her, you know, a year ago or even further back, it would be a different story. And I think this is a really, really positive one. And so I think this will really resonate with you. Um, and, uh, yeah, so this is episode 173 for all you folks who score at home. This is a prime number episode. I don't know if those are any better or worse than our plain uh, Jane Divisible episodes, but um, I like numbers. I like patterns, um, you know, whatever that means to you. Uh, but, yeah, for me, I always like to figure out the, the prime numbers, you know, and get those to you. You know, I know school is in session. we got some... Uh, I want to give a nod to all the, the wonderful teachers out there. We've got some, you know, lone wolves and, and folks doing their thing and making the, I don't know, making it normal as can be for the kids out there. I think the teachers uh, deserve more credit. So I think that, you know, it comes up in this episode, and I think we'll just, uh, we'll dedicate this one to all the teachers out there who just, you know, keeping it locked down. You know, your, your cohorts may get sent home. You might be in quarantine for a couple of days. You might be left teaching in a class you never thought before and it's just some crazy times out there but uh cheers all the teachers out there and then um as we record this we are beyond appreciative you know uh to to paul uh, of cloudwater and uh tisha you know our, our queen at beer culture for they managed to get some of our collaborations that we did, you know, the beer culture collaborations with, with Cloudwater, the, the Marzen and the, the Fest beer over to the States from the UK. And I got a couple of those, which we've been having tonight while we edit this episode. And so um, just cheers everybody out there. I think that we have to focus on the, the, you know, the small stuff, appreciate the good times, appreciate the good people we have in our life. You know, we're really lucky to, to just be here today. And uh, you know, there's a lot of shit going on, a lot of stress with people, but, we, you know, we're, we're going to think big picture. So here's episode 173 of the 16-ounce canvas, the Art of Craft Beer podcast. Thank you to our community. Thank you to all of you who use the hashtag 16OZCanvas. We salute you. So here we go. Julia Green, 16-ounce canvas. Let's do it. Hello and welcome to another edition of the 16-Ounce Canvas, the Art of Craft Beer podcast. Very excited to have us today, Miss Julia Green. Julia's checking in with us from LaGrangeville, which is in the Poughkeepsie, New York area. We're really excited to be able to finally coordinate and get this one on the books. We were scheduled, I think, season 12, and it was uh, driving me crazy. Yeah, things, you know, life happens sometimes, but uh, I'm a big fan of the work that Julia's done, not only is she a, a talented artist, but she's another type of artist and musician. So you can follow along with her and her adventures on Instagram at Julia Green Artist Who Sings. You can also go to her website, jgreenaws, which is artistwhosings.com, and you can find out uh, what, what she's up to, the work she's working on, her music. She also has a book that she's involved with. So thanks so much, Julia, for, uh, for being able to, to make this happen. Hi, thank you so much for having me. 
<laughs> make me sound like a celebrity or something with your intro. There we go. Well, good. Me. Well, that's what, that's what we're that's what we're here for. We're here to celebrate <laughs> artists like yourselves. You know their stories and yeah. That the intro is the the fun part to to hype it up. So yeah, it was uh, <laughs> we we go crazy. I think like we were saying before, we probably have like six to ten artists over the four years. It just you know life happens. You know personal whatever, and we. We you know, don't connect at the time and, you know, what have you. But I think recently I was I was scrolling through, you know, my feed and I saw the koi fish that you did. And I was like, man, we got to talk. So that was, uh, oh, yeah, awesome. I think they're beautiful and I think they're really great. Again, folks, you can follow along uh, yeah. on her Instagram, Julia Green Artist Who Sings. It's a very short uh, username. So it's very, uh, it's, but it's very literal. No, no unique spellings or anything like that. So we, uh, we thank you so much, Julia. Thank you. So you wear you wear a lot of hats. You know, we came to learn of you obviously from uh, Equilibrium Brewery, uh, brewery. Um, but we want to talk to you about you as the artist. Kind of, you know, you you work in different mediums. You know, literally visual, audio. You know, and, and in between. So, kind of uh, tell us the Julia Green artist story. Kind of how did you you know take us back a little bit? Kind of how did you get started, and how did you kind of find your your space? Oh, man. Well, I will try to avoid it being like a three-part trilogy. No, they're the best but, ones. Um, yeah, this is where I, I told you before I have my coffee, so I'm just going to kick back. This is, this is probably where you do the most so, talking. No pressure. Season one, episode one. Of <laughs> Chapter six. Julia's creative journey. Um, okay, so I kind of I started off in Florida, and uh, all I knew is I really liked to sing. And, uh, you know, wasn't shy about it. My mom would, like, put me on the picnic table and I would sing Jesus songs because we went to church a lot. And, um, but no, it started off, I really got into singing. I got with a classical voice teacher. So I was learning, started learning classical music around 10. And they kind of start you off with, like, folk songs and then work you into opera but um, so I started off pretty young, um, going the vocal performance route and uh, really kind of developed the top part of my range and um, had an inclination for classical music. And then, you know, when I became a teenager, I was like, I don't want to do this type of music. I want to do musical theater. Like, I just wanted to sing the kind of stuff that I listen to on a regular basis. You know what I mean? So I got kind of bored with um opera and i got lucky because there was there was a really good little opera in pensacola um an actual opera company and they did aida and they actually had this little elephant from the pier one commercials so <laughs> it was that was a pretty fun time um so yeah i did i was very involved with a community theater in pensacola like every summer i was in a show and um i was in the opera and then Basically, uh, decided to go the musical theater route and was one of those kids, like the the quintessential like musical theater nerd times a thousand. Like it was a hundred percent me, and now it's kind of laughable, you know. Right now, I was just that's all I did was musical theater stuff, and um, wanted to audition to go to a really good school. And I was lucky. I have my parents were were very supportive 
of me and um, everything I did. But at this point, uh, music and musical theater was more my thing. And then the drawing was just a hobby, you know, and I do it for fun. And I never really took it very seriously. It was just something I did for fun. Um, Every now and then I'd make something and I started selling prints of work I did when I was a teenager. But still, it wasn't something that I thought about as a career path. It was just like something I completely did for fun, no pressure. Um, And I think that factors into why I'm doing it now is because there wasn't all this pressure and I didn't kind of get, I think sometimes you can get overtrained with uh, creative stuff, creative pursuits. I think there is such thing as too much training where you get in your head. But um, anyway, so that's where art was at this time. Um, I started auditioning for performing arts colleges. And that was a whole process. I eventually ended up going to, this is so funny, so completely out there, but there is a school, there's a school called Sam Houston State University. And it's in Huntsville, Texas. And it's about an hour north of Houston. And Houston's like a good, a good spot for theater. It's a good starter spot because there's lots of theater houses and like semi-professional, you know, where you can get paid like a part-time job. Um, and do shows and kind of build your resume before moving to New York. So that's what a lot of people were doing. And I auditioned and I got in and went to school there and just did the whole thing, did some shows in Houston. Um, Then when I graduated, I moved back home to Florida to save up money to move to New York, which is funny because Florida is like the lowest cost of living, moving to the highest cost of living state in the country. So if you could imagine that was a struggle, you know, you're making like no money trying to save up to live in in New York. And I remember when I finally did move to New York City, walking in a grocery store and being like, oh, my God, milk's like six (laughs) dollars. Yeah, most people move from uh, Florida to New York. I mean, uh, yeah, to Florida from New York. There's like parts of it that they even call like little New York or something like that. But, yeah, it's pretty funny. Yeah, it was just, you know, and I'm just grateful, you know, my parents were gracious enough to let me, like, come back home, live there for a little bit. And I just worked like crazy trying to save up some money. And um, and I did, but, and I wasn't, I don't feel like I was someone I would consider irresponsible with money. Like, I, but I'm not frugal either, but I am was generally pretty good at managing my money, but I saved up a decent-sized chunk of money, and that went so fast, as it does in New York, because you got to, like, sell your firstborn to get an apartment, you know, <laughs> like, put so much money down. But so I moved to New York, and the whole idea was I'm going to audition for musicals and, like, go on a tour and do all that jazz. And I moved into this apartment and my first bedroom wasn't even technically a bedroom. It was supposed to be a home office and I could barely fit a twin size mattress in there. So I was doing the New York thing, you know, where you live with like seven people as a fourth floor walk up, you know, all the things. And, um, you know, it's getting up at like three o'clock in the morning to go get on a list audition for all these different musicals. And I moved there in the winter, and I don't know why I I moved there in the winter or what my logic was about doing that, but um, 
but yeah, it was, it was pretty rough. And, um, I was auditioning for shows all the time and, and I feel like I was just kind of, I felt like I kept kind of almost fitting for things, but not quite because I'm five, eight. Um, and I feel like if I were a really, really good dancer, it would have been more of a different story, you know, but I just, I sing and act and was like super mediocre, not great dancer, you know? So I feel like if I had been auditioning for like chorus girl ensemble parts, I would have had a better time, you know, cause of the height. But a lot of times, you know, you, there's just so little things in your control with musical theater. You're always trying to fit into someone else's vision, you know, and they have a very specific idea for certain characters, what they want, like appearance wise. And there's just a lot of factors that I was realizing I couldn't really control. Um, and that was frustrating, you know. Um, and also, I feel like at that point in time, there was that element of it. But I also feel like I didn't. I feel like I had this idea of myself for so long of going down that career path, but I hadn't really figured out kind of who I was yet and what I really had to bring to the table. So I feel like I would imagine that a lot of my auditions or things I did didn't have that thing, you know, that genuineness of like someone's genuine personality coming through. Cause I don't think I'd figured that out yet. Does that make any sense? Oh, no. Completely understand my. I, I feel like I was living part of my. Uh, other than the height thing, my college roommate was a very tall man. But I mean, he's still a tall man. He hasn't like shrunk or anything. But uh, yeah, yeah, he was a theater, you know, glee club. He's still, you know, doing doing the acting, you know, hustle and grind. And so I, I kind of felt like I was in the audition pain points with him and you just by hearing, hearing your story, you know, you kind of uh, escape and think of, you know, how you can, how you relate to those, those situations. And I completely, I completely get it. Yeah. Like, I feel like, I think when I've gone to musicals and I, and there are people whose performances I really enjoy, it's because there's that non-tangible element of them in the character it just feels so genuine and real and I don't think I had like connected with that part of myself yet you know I, I'd imagine like I had the technical ability to sing the songs well but I don't think I think it was just missing something I don't know but anyway like I get here and I just feel like I'm kind of like swimming upstream and it's really hard and at one point I had gotten an agent and um, gotten an audition for this like kind of unconventional version of fan of the opera. And she got me into audition for Christine, which I was really excited about because that was kind of a big deal, you know? And I gotten through three callbacks. And then at the third callback, I bombed. I bombed like they gave us all this really hard music and I got off rhythm with the piano and just bombed where it just could not be saved you know and then I remember I walked out of the audition I went to the movie theater because there was a movie theater nearby and I bought like a boatload of candy and popcorn and just went and watched a movie by myself. <laughs> it made me feel better so do you remember yeah, you remember what movie you remember what movie it was Oh God, 
I don't know because I was watching it, but not really. I was watching it, but also having kind of a dark night of the soul at the same time. You know, and I think if I could go back in time and tell myself anything, I think I just took everything way too seriously. I mean, obviously you have to care, but it was just like I took everything way too seriously. And there was a point where I had got had that happen with a couple of things where I'd gotten a callback or two and I get all excited and then something happens and you think you're prepared for the disappointment, but then it's you just can't help it. You just are, you know? And um, so it was kind of this, I don't feel like I was super naive when I moved to New York, but when I look back now at kind of what my expectations were for my time there, it's just, yeah, it was, those couple of years were really hard. And I think what I learned, the conclusion I eventually came to is like, I've never doubted that I wanted to spend my life being creative and doing something creative for a living. That's never been something I was willing to give up on. Like, I don't, I didn't want to be, um, I guess I always, always, always believed like I can make a life for myself where I'm in control of my time and my schedule and I do something rewarding for a living. That was always the goal. And what I realized there is every field, every pursuit has its amount of bullshit that goes with it, right? There's always, no matter how much you love your job, there's always that thing that comes with it that you have to decide whether you love it enough to deal with the the BS, right? And what I learned with musical theater is I didn't love it enough when I really got down to it. I didn't love it enough to do what it takes to become a professional musical theater performer. And I think what had happened is it had been my identity for so long that I hadn't even considered that maybe that's not what I wanted to do with myself. Because it was just ingrained in my head since childhood, oh, I'm going to do this, you know. And so what kind of occurred to me is I love to sing. I was like, what do I like to do? I really love to sing. I really love to draw. And what I realized even further off of that was just in general, I like to make things and I like to tell stories is what it boiled down to. That's why I liked the theater was it was storytelling. And I dabbled with writing like funny, messed up adult humor songs on the guitar and it was fun. And I enjoyed it. And what I realized is that I think my actual talent or passion was for making things or writing music that maybe someone else sang. But I didn't, it's like, okay, I feel like there's a talent for you're a performer and your job is interpreting and delivering songs that someone else wrote. That's your job is to do that well. And that's one talent and passion. And what I realized my passion was making the material. And I wasn't necessarily attached to being the one delivering the material. I just want to make it. So that was a big revelation of me starting to realize, wow, you know, I like writing songs. I I like writing funny songs, you know, or satire or something. I like doing stuff like that. And just 
kind of shifted away from like the idea of trying to make myself fit into other people's creative projects to being like, no, I want to, I want to make the project. I want to do the thing, you know? And also the freedom that came with that is I had much more control, you know? Um, I feel like if you're a singer, just in general, a singer songwriter, you have a lot more control over yourself than if you're auditioning for musicals all the time. You always have to fit into someone else's vision. And there's a point really where talent at a certain level, everyone's got talent. It's not about if you're talented enough. It's just there's this element of luck and do you fit that's out of your control. You yeah. know? Yeah. So that's kind of where I arrived at. And that was a big deal. And at that point I was just, and once again, I do take responsibility that like, I think, you know, high, regardless of what anyone's personal challenge is or strike against them is for that industry. I do believe that if you work hard enough, you will get it. You know, if you're persistent enough, you will get it. I just didn't want it bad enough to do that to really, really, really try to do that, you know? And who knows if I would have, if something would have happened for me or not, I don't know. I just knew I'm not happy. I don't want this enough to, to keep going. I want to do something else. So I kind of chose to do something else. And what ended up happening is I, I had gone out of town and I discovered that book and I don't want to use expletives on your show i don't know if this is like shit okay go for you fuck shit okay great um i had discovered this the book fuck to sleep sorry mom Mom. um (laughs) yeah i found you know remember when go the fuck to sleep came out Mm -hmm. oh yeah it was like this big it was this gag gift and i saw it at someone's house and i saw it and it was like my come to Jesus moment where I saw that book and I was like, Oh my God, what is this? And, um, and totally stole the idea or the concept of like adult humored writing with beautiful, legit illustrations with it. You know, I just loved that idea and the humor. And so I wrote the little duck who lost his fucks and I illustrated it. And it was my first go around with writing and illustrating a book. And I learned a lot and I taught myself how to use Adobe Creative Suite. Um, you know, all those things, lots of frustrating YouTube channels, like, you know, just figuring out one thing at a time. So basically what had happened slowly is I, I moved out of the city and I moved to Beacon impulsively. Had no friends in Beacon, no family in Beacon. I just knew I was over being in the city i was over it i had had a bad breakup i had had bed bugs in my apartment i was working two jobs and super sleep deprived i was just over trying to survive you know and i was like i want to be in nature i want to go outside and see trees i want to live somewhere where you're not getting like harassed everywhere you go And that's just in general, like, if you're female in the city, you're going to get harassed everywhere you go. There's just no avoiding it. You know, it's not even a like, what are you wearing or attractiveness thing? It's like, if you are female, you will get harassed. And I was just over that, too. You know, I just wanted to live somewhere more like where I grew up, where you don't have that, really. So 
I moved to Beacon and um, and started doing more illustration work and I was writing more and um, got with a cool funk band, like a 13 piece funk band and was just doing like background vocals for them and then writing my own music and doing like little um, musical comedy shows, vibe bars, you know, stuff like that. So I was, I was having fun, but at, at, during all the time that I moved, it was like definitely a financial struggle. You know, um, I had, I had knew a couple people and had some friends that moved to New York and like their parents paid their rent and they lived right across the street from the audition buildings and stuff and they didn't work and it was their job to audition. And that's awesome. And that's like one thing, but it's just hard when you're like, I'm going to bartend all night and then wake up in the morning and go to this audition. Like, good luck, you know? Um, so it was just, I feel like I had just worked so hard for so long, you know, and was really just struggle bossing it. And then I get to Beacon and I still had to work really hard because this is the first time I was living by myself in a studio apartment in Beacon. And I was just willing to pay more to be by myself and find a way to make that work because that's a big thing with creativity is solitude, you know, and the ability to just kind of do what you want when you want, you don't have to worry about disturbing anyone. And I just wanted to be alone in nature and do my thing. And, and Beacon was great for me. Um, I made a bunch of new friends. The apartment building I lived in became like my family and they were all really good supportive people. So I really kind of started to turn a corner at that point because I had a lot of really good relationships in my life and that makes a difference. That like your friends, you, the person you're dating, all of that, it's so important and it bleeds into everything else. You know, and I think when I came to Beacon, you know, at the time I was in a relationship and I don't harbor any bad feelings towards my ex, but it was, it was a, it was a really challenging relationship. It was long distance a lot of the time and it was just really draining for me. You know, it was, it was just not healthy and like, the situation was always weird, you know, and, but I didn't realize until we broke up, like, and that was a five-year relationship, how much energy that was taking from me to, to be in that relationship and how much it was taking away from what I wanted to make. Because I, you know, it's like all your relationships take up a certain amount of psychological space in your brain. You know, they all have a certain amount of real estate. And when they start to get painful or toxic, it's, uh, it takes a toll on your creativity for sure. You know, you can't, you can't focus, you can't do anything. Um, you know, and some people will be like, oh, you make better art, you know, when you're sad or distressed. And I just think that's bullshit. I think that's the biggest bullshit myth ever is the idea of the suffering, tortured soul artist. It's such bullshit. And a lot of people buy into it and drink the Kool-Aid, you know, and it's like this 
this whole, I'm so tortured. I'm an alcoholic. I'm irresponsible. I'm going to make amazing art now. Or like, that's a requirement. And I'm like, no, you're a good artist, despite being an alcoholic. If you stop being an alcoholic, you would be a better artist, you know, or like being an artist isn't a permission, like it's not permission to go just be an irresponsible human being and like mooch off of other people to make a living. You know what I mean? But um, yeah, sorry, I'm like going on a tangent now. <laughs> no, no, no. I think, but, well, my takeaway is like, you're, I, I always say focus on what you can control. And I think that while your story brought you to Manhattan and that might not be like the, the, the chapter of the, of the book or the story that, you know, Julia went in and got the big role and, you know, and lived happily ever after. I think sometimes, you know, getting kicked down or, you know, having those bumps and bruises, you know, are part of the story. You know, we always say your shittier jobs or kind of, you know, the you know crappy jobs you have help us to, you know, appreciate the good ones we have. And I don't know, for me, it just seems like that's a, you know, I don't think you could get to where you are now if you didn't really experience, you know, have those experiences, you know, that they're all. No, absolutely not. Like, I think, I don't think I would have the same depth as a human at all if I hadn't experienced what I experienced and I would never take it back or trade it just because of the, the personal development that came out of it, the creative development, like just the growth in general and more, what I'm talking about is all those experiences of hardship and suffering, you absolutely can incorporate them into your art and your creative life because it's a very relevant, meaningful part of your experience. You know, more what I'm talking about is this idea of like, I don't think for me personally, I can't create when I'm currently presently in a state of suffering. You know, there has to be the time to reflect and like process that and heal from that. And then I can create and use that experience, you know, but I think there's this idea of um, like, you're not a real artist unless you're like depressed, you know, or soulful in that way. And it's really a harmful idea. You know, I think the more, if you want to create well, like, keeping a healthy body, a healthy mind, like maintaining the most balanced schedule for yourself that you can, like really taking care of your well-being, you're going to create better art than if you don't try to take care of yourself, you know? So that's, that's more kind of what I'm getting at is um, that concept. But definitely like everything I went through, if anything, the way I see it is it kind of like all those disappointments, it kind of peeled the peeled away the layers a little bit to make me ask like, what do I really want? What is this really what I want? What do I really want to do? What do I really want to make? Um, and yeah, so that whole evolution was so necessary. And I think I think the, the degree of financial struggle I went to was necessary because even financial struggle like that refines your priorities real fast. You know, like right now, would I go to college to get a BFA musical theater right now? Me and Julia, like knowing what I know? No. Do I regret doing it? I'm not into my eyeballs alone, so I don't have regrets about that. And I had a great time in college, but I think like, 
when I was in college, even though I worked through college, I didn't have to sacrifice to um, do like perform. And when you're in the real world and you're struggling to get by, there are very real choices that have to be made about what you spend on, you spend your money on and your time on. And that alone will make you realize what you want. Um, so, yeah, I kind of went through the ringer. I moved to Beacon. Things got better. Kind of like had some new relationships in my life, more supportive ones. And started to, without really trying, um, I ended up getting slowly getting more and more illustration work. And, you know, kind of looked at it and was like, huh, you know, this could be a real way I could have the kind of lifestyle I'd like to have. And, you know, basically what I decided I wanted is I just wanted freedom. You know, I wanted a certain level of freedom over my day and what I do with myself and when I do it, you know? And so the idea of like, man, you know, if I could be a freelance illustrator, I'm in control of my time. I don't have to be anywhere when I don't want to. I just have a certain amount of projects I got to get done. You know, and so the first thing I was working towards was that goal. I want to be a freelance illustrator and, you know, would do the thing where I would successfully be able to do that for a few months and then projects would dry up and then I get a part time job, you know, for a few months, something like that. So that was kind of my thing for a while in Beacon off and on is, you know, doing projects and just taking up all kinds of odd jobs or you know, I, I bartended for a hot minute at this bar called Draft Industries in Beacon. And the owner there, Greg, was just like super friendly and loved my duck book and was just very interested in my art. And I ended up getting connected with Equilibrium through Draft Industries. So, and I think that one of the biggest lessons I learned, and I realized this pretty recently, is like, I think there's always with any kind of creativity there's or in life in general there's always the the they like okay if I wrote the duck book or I'm illustrating I'm doing it for an audience right the idea is I'm doing it for somebody that's interested into it and um and there's this they that's just out there that one day my book is just going to explode overnight in popularity on Amazon because the they discovered it, you know, and it's weird. It's like this very abstract idea of they, like this mysterious audience of strangers out there you've never met that as soon as they see your project, it's going to like explode overnight, that kind of concept. And what I finally realized is like, well, hot damn, like, what if I forget about they and just look around at my life right now, the people in my life right now that are interested in what I do and what I make, you know? And when I looked around, yeah, it was, it was Greg at Draft. It was like Manny at Verplank Auto that fixes my car would come to my musical comedy shows and love my duck book. Just like all these random people in my life that I kind of taken for granted that were actually super into the things that I do, you know? And so I started shifting focus being like, I'm going to pay attention to these people and cater to these people. And I put together a little mailing list, like a MailChimp list. And it's like 120 people. Um, you know, it's not anything 
huge, but what it ended up being is it's 120 people that really engage a lot and are really interested in what I have to say and what I do. And that matters. You know, your little tribe matters. And so when I shifted and just forgot about the they and looked at my immediate surroundings, my people who had already shown that they're interested, and there's this element of ego in it of like, why weren't these people important enough? You know, why aren't they important enough for me to really cater to them and make things with them in mind? You know what I mean? Um, so it just kind of shifted where I started worrying about my people. And um, and I stopped separating the music and the art. And I just put it together. And on my website, it's just me. You know, there's music. There's the illustrations. It's all in one spot because... A lot of people tell me like, oh, you should have a separate thing for this and a separate thing for that. And I'm like, no, <laughs> it's too hectic. You know, like I just, it's me all in one place. And, you know, right now kind of where it's at as, as of this year, because of the pandemic, I feel like I can, you know, I'm kind of afraid to say it out loud, but during the pandemic, I feel like I've finally gotten into the zone of being a freelance full-time illustrator where I have more work than I know what to do with and I'm happy about it and I'm comfortable, you know? Yeah. It's a good, yeah, it's And great. I finally, thank you. Well, I, I finally arrived at that place and then the next frontier from that, the next goal from that is to graduate from freelance illustrator to creating an income from myself for myself from all of my own projects. That's the next long-term goal. So like right now I'm doing um, two children's picture books uh, and I work for a company called Storytime Chess and they do like chess tutoring classes for really young kids and they basically make all the chess pieces into characters. I'm so yeah, I money to like talk to you. Yeah, we we are watching uh, Queen's Gambit right now, and I used to play chess a lot when I was younger. And so my son and I were talking, and I was like, "We gotta, I gotta get a board." So yeah, we'll, we'll we'll talk after this. Oh my god, we'll talk later. Yeah, it's so it's a company that they like make little storylines for each character, like uh, King the the King piece. One of them is King Shaky, and he's very timid, and he only moves forward one square at a time, right? So, but they have like a whole backstory. And it's really cute, but they just needed someone to draw the stories for these characters because they have, like, workbooks. Yeah. Like, how did so-and-so get to this spot in only four moves? You know? So they've turned into, like, some regular work, and I'm doing a picture book for them. So it's, like, the stuff I have right now is fun stuff, you know? And it's just kind of a modge podge of, like, regular clients, random pet portrait stuff, equilibrium you know, so I'm happy with all of that. Um, but I also, you know, during the pandemic, had some time to think. And, um, you know, I had written another children's picture book and have been like submitting that to um, literary agents and doing that whole rodeo. But that's like a long term thing. Like that takes a minute because it takes them like two months to get back to you if they get back to you. You know what I mean? But um, uh, I, yeah, I'm really, yeah, I'm really happy that we can. I mean, I know we were supposed to connect months ago, but 
we're at a crossroads now where like kind of I think I'm getting inspired by talking to you, but we know we want to do a book. Um, and so I just, yeah, I don't know. I just, uh, I'm glad that we're connecting because I... We are back. You're listening to episode 173 featuring the multi-talented Julia Green. Right here on the 16-ounce canvas. See? First of all, thank you, Julia, for making my job so easy. I just asked you a question, and you are a natural storyteller. It's very fitting that you're a songwriter and artist and musician and just a creative person. And just want to publicly thank you because um, as we've mentioned before on previous episodes we are committed to the idea and making it happen you know doing a book we don't know what that entails we've reached out to a lot of folks and we'll continue to do that to better understand the process but as we talked about here Julia with uh, the great work that she's done and you know her own book and you know books coming down the, the line you know the little duck who lost his fucks, fucks given equals zero. That's the extended version. That's not part of the name extent, you know, but just, you know, made time to give me some insight, give me some feedback, make some recommendations. And it's going to be hard. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be long process, but I think that, We'll find a way to make it happen. You know, four years ago or three plus, three and a half plus years ago, when we thought of the idea for the, for the podcast. Obviously, you know, we had some success with, with radio and, and doing that. But we didn't know what this would entail. You know, we're, we've come down and been doing this for some time now, and it's just uh, it's a joy and really, you know, really appreciate every one of you who's a, you know, who's a part of it, who listens each week. You know, you take us out on your your adventures, your your road trips, your 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 morning runs before, you know, for work or before school and it's just it's uh it, it's really great because I think one of the the joys is the fact that there's all these folks from, you know, all over around the world who, you know, we hope to meet someday and for whatever reason, you know, we have this wonderful opportunity to connect with them and, and learn their story, you know, celebrate them as wonderful people. And I don't know, it makes my life a joy. It really does. You know, there's definitely days where, you know, real life, you know, the 3D, as we call it, can be a little stressful. Uh, obviously, you know, there's the elephant in the room is, uh, is the fucking, you know, pandemic. Please wear a mask. Get a fun mask. Get weird with it. You know, shit, Julia's selling masks. She's got some cool masks. You get a skeleton face or you get a flower you know, maybe a custom mask, maybe support your favorite team or music or just or just get the old generics. But just wear a fucking mask. Have fun with it. Be cool. Like, just wear the fucking mask. I'm going to go out and see some live music. I want to dance. I want to shake my ass. I want to fucking get down and boogie. Just wear a mask. I'm not, I'm not asking you to shave your head. I'm not asking you to do anything crazy. Just wear a mask. Buy a mask from Julia. Julia Green artist who sings is the instagram you can go to julia green store buy a mask tell them aj sent you i don't think there's any i can get you a 10 percent discount i think 
I think I'm going to hook that up. But, yeah. So, just think, don't be selfish. Be a good human. Easier said than done some days. But, you know, it's a law of averages, right? If you're a good human 70% of the time, then the world's going to be a better place. So, just just follow those directions. Appreciate all those, you know, that, that come into your life, all those people that you meet. And just, uh, yeah, and just just think of somebody else. If we all thought about somebody else for just a little bit, all those little percentages would add up, and we we would not be here right now. But then would we be here right now? So I don't know. I like to see the, you know, it's it's tough. But the glass half full is those people that maybe, you know, Julia's schedule might not have worked out or, you know, you know, we, our previous guests got a couple coming up that we're going to tease you with that, you know, we, we were able to find off the list and bring back. You know, we got Beeb, who we've been trying to get for, you know, over a year and just haven't made it work. And we're going to finish out season 15. And then our season 16 announcement is going to be pretty dope. And, uh, yeah, so let's see what we got. Let's get part two of it. Like I said, I, I asked very few questions. Julia Julia is the, the kind of the co-host of this episode, so it's fitting. So, oh, yeah, I remember. November 18th, folks. It's a big day. You don't want to miss it. So here we go. Part two, Julia Green, 16-ounce canvas, episode 173. And, you know, we said it before, still prime number. Still only one in itself. Seriously. Hey. I don't make this shit up. I just follow the rules. I'll probably ask you a lot of questions after this, but I just I, that's something I want to do and I just feel, I don't know, I, I get the inspiration from talking to you of kind of doing things on your own terms and, you know, these these milestones that I think a lot of times that we focus on, you know, I hate that term like FOMO, but like you look at other people or why isn't this happening or this happening and you're just, you know, you're building your community. And I think that's the beauty of, especially the area you're in, it's just a beautiful place. And I think it has a, it has kind of a little more intimate and community vibe to it. And, you know, you kind of know the, you know, the people at your coffee shop or like you're saying, your mechanic. And, you know, from there it's, you're, you're building out versus trying to, you know, look at me over here and trying to pull people in. And I think that's, you know, I think that's really I think we could do a lot more of that just as, you know, people in general. And that's what we try to do with, with this. You know, we, we, everyone that reaches out and they say, oh, I listened there. I was, you know, really enjoyed the episode. At first I'm shocked they listened. And then like, I, then I hear what they say and it makes me like really appreciate it. And I think that's how we really moved away from, you know, while we're connected by beer, we're really connecting people and their stories. And I think, you know, your story and your path and, you know, coming to where you are today is is really is really great well and i think what you're doing like when you look at the point of of bars and why people go to bars and have a beer is like yeah people like beer beer is awesome but like people want to connect with other people you know people want to you go you don't want to go to a beer and sit by yourself and have a beer you know you if anything you know people end up talking the bartender's face off you know it's like you want interaction you want to connect with people and I think I think for a lot of adults it's hard for adults to make friends <laughs> sometimes you know especially like adult men it's kind of hard to just go out and make a friend you know it's it's not like it was you know when you're younger and you're in college and everybody's new there and everybody's going to make friends there you know it's 
you're an adult and you're busy and you don't always have all these opportunities to like make friends. But I don't know. I think, I think people underestimate their local community sometimes and like get like, I mean, obviously any, any kind of creative pursuit or goal or business idea I'm not talking about like always aim high, you know, where you want to grow to. But I think when you look at like where you're at, who's in your life right now and how do you serve those people? Mm-hmm. You know? and, and with the podcast, like I know the feeling you're talking about when you like work on something and you have your people that are interested. You don't think it's that many people. And then like, like what happened to me a while ago is I, I one of the EPs I'd done forever ago because it came off of TuneCore because I didn't pay the same to keep it up on Spotify. And they're like, where'd your thing go? I wanted to do a cover of this song and blah, blah, blah. And hmm. I was like, oh my God, you listened to it? Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I, but I think that's the thing, like the, the service oriented part of it is all you know right now is like you have a you have a passion and a desire to do a podcast right and the idea of the they out there could very well keep you from doing it if you do it for a year and you're like oh there's not you know 10,000 listeners it's not important enough for me to continue like i think that kills so many potentially great creative projects is like, you know, versus if you buckle down and you're like, how can I better serve this community? How can I make this more interesting and just forget about it exploding at all, you know, and just focus on your people? Yeah, um, that's exactly how we do it. I mean, like I say, I'm, I've if somebody's listening and they want to be a sponsor and they want to give me money or they want to syndicate it, I have, all the, I have all the raw files, right? But at the end of the day, this is my happy place, especially during the pandemic. It's allowed me to while trapped at home and having to work, I work from home. So I really am leaving, you know, other than for like odds and ends. And so, I don't know, I feel pretty blessed uh, to be able to talk to people. And now we've in 13 or 14 countries have had guests. So like I literally can. That's awesome. Right. So I literally look at the map and say, okay, I've talked to people around the world. And then if I ever can, if we ever can travel again, um, you know, I can go to Sweden or I can go to, you know, Austria and, New Zealand and I mean and I know people and that 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 brings me joy so like for there like it's not a monetary return but for me you know we've we've donated to you know several charity you know many thousands of dollars to different charities through events we put on so like I, I I feel I feel like when you recalibrate and really kind of look at what's important and how people value things I think it's I think it's uh it it's beautiful because you know especially with art and design and being creative, you know, years ago. And I, I think I'm, oh, I'm, I don't know, age-wise, that's not really, it really doesn't matter here, but just kind of like years ago, the idea of being an artist was seen as kind of like, oh, you're going to be an artist? Like, what is that? Or, you know, how are you going to make a living off doing that? And people are redefining what, what success is and what joy is and how they're going about it. And you're a great example of that. You're you're doing it on your own terms. You know, you did all those auditions, but you knew you loved singing, and being creative, you just didn't like the idea of, you know, kind of the, of the audition and, you know, being, you know, being somebody else and not being a part of that process of creating the characters and creating the stories. And that helped you, you know, find where you are now. Well, and two, I think there's this thing of like, 
I, I feel like in my life, um, even though, you know, I had a really hard time when I lived in the city and, you know, wasn't super wealthy, you know. Yeah, the city's like, like seen have... as like super sexy and like I th- I've like oh, I wish I lived in the city, but then then I'm like, uh, I don't know if I I don't know I don't know if I was cut out I, I was cut out for the city. Like I think it was a good cool place to no, go visit. I think like my opinion on the city is I was definitely very encouraged like if you want to do this move to the city, which I agree like most people if you want to do musical theater, you probably have to live at New York City at some point in your life. You know. But um but in general, for creatives, like, yeah, there's a ton of stuff to see and do and be influenced by. But I feel like it's where you live once you've really established yourself. I feel like when you're still figuring it out, you you get so drowned out by all the other things going on that I don't I kind of disagree with the encouragement I received to move there. You know, I feel like it can do the opposite, you know, because people take for granted, like, you don't want to live somewhere where it's practically impossible to live, you know, struggling to survive, like just financially survive is not going to make you want to make things, you know, when you're just exhausted all the time from just trying to live, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's exactly Um, what I was thinking, Mike. Sorry to speak over you. My room, my my roommate, one of my best friends, my groomsmen, who I love to this day. I mean, there was there was a period, and you know, I love you, Steve. So I don't know, if, and I don't know if you listen. You probably don't, but if you do, you'll think it. But like where he was working, like as a waiter and doing these like odd jobs, and it was like crushing him because he knew like he didn't want to be there at all, and then have to work a double, and like not only that, like be on and like. You know, you have to be nice to people so they tip you. And then, like, this boss is a dick. And then just, like, okay. And then coming home and, like, trying to learn a script or, you know, getting like getting himself, you know, psyched up for an audition. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, yeah, yeah, it's just – it's I I just feel like the way it's presented to, to young people, they skip like, that people part. that go there. Yeah, they skip that part. And once again, it is a totally ex- different experience if you come from wealth. You know, and I'm not ragging on people if you come from wealth. It's awesome if you have that advantage, you know, but that it's a different experience, you know. Um, So I don't know. And I do. And what I kind of realized, something that I really had to fight hard against is, you know, there's a lot of especially like older, you know, boomer age people. Right. That'll be like you know, what are you doing? You're almost 30. Like, wait, you're almost, you're almost 30. I'm and, fucking old then. You're almost 30. I'm, yeah. I'm no, well, but, yeah. but you know what I mean? I know. Like, I'm just kidding. When you're in your early twenties, you can be a disaster and no one cares. It's like, Oh, you're figuring it out. Once you start approaching 30, people are like, what are you doing? Like, what do you, you know, if you're still struggling or you're still broke or you're it still sucks. whatever. It's like you can't take a chance. There's, like you, you can't take a chance once you like get to a certain age. It's like, all right, you're you haven't even lived half your life yet, but you're you're gonna fit in this mold and that's where you have to be the rest of your life. It's like, nah, I'm good. I'm, and yeah. and I just resisted that so much because like when you really think about it, this is the thing that got me, and maybe this makes me sound super spoiled and entitled, and I I get that this isn't always an option, but like 
Think of what the standard acceptable thing is for the standard acceptable lifestyle for millions of people right now. And this does not come out of a place of like a lack of gratitude or anything, but the standard lifestyle is most people work 40 hours at a job they're just kind of okay with or strongly dislike, right? And when you think of like 40 hours, and if you do anything around the house or if you have a kid, how much extra time is consumed by that? Like you spend all of your time trying to catch up and trying to find the time, trying to find any window of time to do something you enjoy. And, and for a lot of people, that's status quo. And that's just acceptable. And like, well, yeah, you're not happy, but this is just how it is. And there's millions of people that live like this, like what makes you think you deserve anything different than this? And to me, you know, I remember rubbing up against that with some other people. And keep in mind, like I was not living out of my mom's basement. I wasn't mooching off of anyone. I wasn't expecting anyone else to pay for my life. I was in and out of debt a lot and I was struggling a lot, but I still wasn't using anyone else. I think that's a different situation. But people were still just the attitude is kind of like, why do you feel like what makes you so special that this is going to work out for you? And there's a part of me that's just like, just because this is everyone, most people's normal lifestyle doesn't mean that you should settle for it. You know, like so many people are unhappy. And I think it's such a shame to think of like how much, how much time out of a year is 40 hours a week to do something you don't like, you know? Mm-hmm. And I just feel like it's worth, it's worth the struggle and the sacrifice and being broke and the uncertainty to find the thing and to do the thing. And I get that that's not reasonable for maybe like someone that's a single parent and you have to get by, but it's just like, I think it's worth the fighting for every window or sliver of time you can to build something better for yourself and not to give up on the idea of like better exist and you can have it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like I said, yeah, I have a, I have the, the nine to plus gig. Right. And I, and it's taken me some time to come to that point and I don't hate my job. I don't, you know, I don't dislike it. Um, I'm good at it. I'm in sales. Right. And I, you know, it's not my happy place, but I always, I, I before felt like, you know, the 40 hour week, I would now, I mean, I was, I was a 60, 70 hour week person because, you know, you put more in, you get oh. more out, but it was, it was by choice. Like part of that's like, I had to travel and be away from my family and all that. And I was okay with that because of the fruits of that, you know, it gives those, the times with my kids and my wife and, you know, we get to do nicer things. And I, I, I value that, but I've also come to realize that you can't live to work. Like, you know, like I can't, that can't be my existence is that job. I mean, it, I work that job because it allows me to, when I, when I am with my family, it to be a better experience or, you know, my wife's a teacher and she works probably harder than me and she loves her job. And no matter how much, Oh God bless her for being a teacher right now. Right. And no matter how much harder she works, she's never going to get like, you know, people say, oh, you have the summers off. Like my wife probably puts in, in a nine, 10 month a year. She probably puts in a year and a half worth of hours. You know what I mean? Like, so, but she'll never yeah. get, if, if, if we really broke down what she's getting paid an hour, it would be, it would probably be heartbreaking. 
But she's, yeah, well, so yeah, so I always say she's like the moral fiber. Like I work harder in my day job so that we can, because so we can appreciate that and even put money back in to help her class, you know, like stuff like that. Like, well, so it's honorable and I don't want, you know, I don't want anyone to think that I'm like knocking that or being like, you're not living your best life. Cause I get that even, okay. Even like, let's say the status quo thing I'm talking about 40 hours a week, someone that hates their job and is miserable, even at that baseline, there's still so much to be grateful for in comparison to the way people live in other places, you know, it oh, can yeah. always be worse than that. Like having work, and not starving. Like your yeah. always, like our worst yeah. day is like is you know what I mean like oh my life is so terrible and it's like really is your wife is your life? no and, <laughs> and and you know what I realized is even like my lowest point in my life what I realize and have context for is my lowest points were significantly better than what a lot of people might ever achieve just because of the bad circumstances you're born into or where you're born or what, you know, so it's like, I have not lost sight of that fact, you know, but I just, I guess I just feel like I, and you know, and my, my brother's a fine artist and he's done the same thing where he's 30 and, you know, financially struggles, but he's going to teach at a university level. So it's not always going to be like that, but it's like, there is something to be said about do the thing like sacrifice what you need to sacrifice to try and make that lifestyle real for yourself. And, 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 and I think the thing is like, I think a lot of people don't even give it the thought that it deserves. Right. It's like the idea of like work smart, not hard of just like, I think it's so easy to get caught in a cycle where you're just kind of plugging along and you're not really thinking like, what is my strategy here? What could I do to get from point A to point B? You just kind of, keep going and going and going and get burnt out and you just don't even bother thinking or trying anymore, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I don't know. I just, I feel like I'm very lucky, you know, and there are a lot of factors that came into play to make that happen. Um, but I just, I don't know. I just don't, I don't want, I think if you're a creative person or even if it's not a creative thing, just if you have a dream, try to find a way to make it work as hard as you can, as long as you can hold on to it, you know, it's worth it. Yeah. That's what yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I, one of the things I, it, like, I never want to have regrets. I never want to say what, it, like the what ifs are, are the worst, you know, I, I tried to make a run at it in radio and I probably could have had a job, but it, to me, when I got into radio, like I went to, I went to Connecticut School of Broadcasting, and like I was like I was doing it, and I was all in. But then when I like when I really saw behind the curtain, it wasn't, it wasn't, it was, it seemed, more, it was seemed worse than a corporate job to me. And I was like, I don't want to do that. Oh God. <laughs> yeah, well, because oh, I mean, God. I like radio of the '60s and '70s, right? So if I found, if I found, if I was at a, a coffee shop or. A friend sent me a, a record, you know, and it was, oh, I, this, I found this new artist, Julia Green, and I would get to the studio for my show, and I'd be the first one to debut that, and that the DJ had, like, this cool cultural, you know, piece that they were not only just playing the music, but they were, they were the pulse of that community, and that's how I was at the college station I was at. I had a, a like you're saying, I had a community of folks, 
you know, they would listen every week. You know, we'd go to the same music venues afterwards. We'd all meet up for drinks. We, you know, I'd support band. Like, it was a thing. But then I did, it was literally radio now is, you know, I'd say 90% of it is is playing to a computer. Most of the songs are pre-programmed. You have a certain amount of time to say an ad or your mic cuts off automatically. Like, I like the fact that every week when I do these episodes, I can do a three-minute opening monologue or 10 minutes. And I just, you know, I don't, and, and that's, that, that, that's the freedom. So yeah, I tried to, I managed a band for five or six years, you know, and you know, get, got assigned and did that whole thing. Like, I don't have a lot of regrets. I mean, I'm, my wife is a, an amazing woman who puts up with all these crazy ideas. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, that's, that's just as important. So yeah, I, I completely agree. I don't, I, they're not all successes, but I don't, I have very few what ifs or I wish I did this. But I feel like you already are doing the thing, you know? And the, the other thing is like... Oh, this is my happy place times some... a thousand. Like I, you know, when I turn the mic on and I, and that phone rings and we connect, like, yeah, that's, that's it. Like when people recognize me as, oh, yo, that's the guy from the sixth, like, I'm good. Like, yeah, I think that, yeah. I, You're I, doing the thing. You're doing, I think what's sad to me is like, you can't demand sometimes that your creativity provide your full life income for you. You know, like you can't demand that of creativity sometimes. But I think the thing, the point is, is like you make time for it. You make time for it and you do the thing you want to do. You know, you want to do a podcast. You're doing a podcast. It serves your community. You're doing it. Hell yeah. You know, like you're you're doing the thing. Okay. Um, I'm the host here, Julia. We're, t- we're, we're talking to you. You're making me feel good. I'm supposed <laughs> to talk about you and how you're the great artist. get your own podcast julia what are you doing here i'll I'll make my own podcast and interview you yeah yeah right in the in the voice of a duck he's like (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean um i think kind of where i'm at now is like i just i this is this is what cracks me up so i came across uh an ad somebody shared an ad with me on facebook for um this giant parking garage building that was trying to find a mural artist to do like five stories of wall on this building. And I was like, what? And you had to draw a a design and submit it. And I was like all over it and they didn't specify what they wanted. And I was like, people need happy things right now. Like I'm just going to do, and I just had the idea to do this giant bright floral design of these giant big bright flowers and i pictured it all over this building just happy bright colorful thing and i sent it and i never heard back from them like so many things or you just send it to the ether and it like disappears somewhere but what's cool is i i made that design on my ipad the flower design and a lot of people liked the flower design and they're like oh i want this on a whatever like you know and then I was like, what if I made more things like this? And I and I started kind of researching print-to-order companies, you know, like Printify or Printful, that they do the shirts and bags and stuff. And so I ended up making an Etsy store and doing a bunch of floral prints and putting them on, like, tote bags and blankets and stuff and just amusing myself because um, you don't have to buy any overhead. It's all print-to-order, so why not? There's right. no investment required. You're making masks. And yeah. So, Let's go. Etsy, Etsy, Etsy.com backslash shop slash Julia Green store. 
You can also find that on yeah, the, Julia's Instagram page. But yeah, like the masks look great. Like it's yeah. Why not? Why the hell thank not? Thank you. Yeah, the the masks and like there's blankets and pillows and stuff. But anyway, like the point that I'm getting to is like that was a thing that is starting to get momentum, and that was a total loophole thing of a way to create an additional income stream that requires no overhead. You know. Um, and I was thinking, you know, I was doing, I was like, I know other artists that do similar to that, you know, the fact that that exists, but so I'm just kind of toying with ideas like that, um, doing merch for like draft. I just started doing their merch with the funny t-shirts <laughs> Yeah. Um, and doing more like print to order stuff. And I'm just like the, the, this year has kind of been the year of exploration for me of having the time, you know, to think about other things to do other ways to expand. Um, and there's almost an, an element of guilt to it because I know so many people are struggling so hard this year and everybody's had such a different experience. But I feel like overall, for me, this year has been very positive. You know, it's just been an opportunity to kind of press pause and play around with some ideas, you know? Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I mean, everybody's experience of this year, I'm sure, is different. But, um, yeah, so we'll see. I'm just trying to, to trying to keep the ball rolling and keep doing cool stuff. And Yeah, I think, yeah, I don't think, you know. I, I don't think that. Yeah, I think a lot of times we feel like to if we're appreciating a positive that happens to us, you know, like it, it negates by someone else is having a tough time. I think that you're making the best of your situation. I think that somebody having a tough time will will hear that and be inspired to maybe you know, you know, take a chance. Like we haven't we had a recent episode where an artist you know was doing a lot of his his day gig was you know blue collar roofing like really tough tough work and you know and he, oh, that's hard. And, yeah, and because of all this, he couldn't do it, and he's, you know, and he literally had a draw to provide for his family, and he was, he's, you know, went from, you know, whatever the X was of how much work he was doing on a typical month to, like, five, six, seven times X, and he's able to do that, and he, he self-admitted he probably never would have taken that leap to go for it if he didn't have, you know, necessity is a mother of all inventions, right? You know what I mean? Like, you sometimes you just go I for love- it stuff like that i love stuff like that where something you know just comes in and like flips your life upside down but it ends up being awesome (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, i don't know i think i think a lot of people don't realize like when you have to make something work you can make it work like even with the create like i'm sure if you told that guy before the pandemic like hey you have to make your entire month's worth of living expenses from drawing he would have panicked you know, uh, and yeah. then you start I to think he said realize, that. like, hey, <laughs> I think he said doable. that. He's like, I fucking would have never done this. And I was like, well, here you go. And you did. And you, you know, and you're better off for it. And you, you, and then you, you're putting more time. Like it's a, it's a beautiful thing because you're doing something you probably wouldn't have done. It's something you love. You're putting in more hours of it. So one could argue you're getting better at it. And, and you're, yeah. And you're, and keeping the lights on, which is great. Um, so you're multimedia, you're doing stuff all over, you know, cans you're making pillows you're making masks songs books you know what you know 
how are you, uh, you know, what tools are you using and how are you kind of, uh, managing your time? Like, do you have a, how do you keep everything organized? Because they're all kind of different. Oh God. Yeah. Um, how do you keep, so yeah. as far as tools, the tool I would recommend for any artist, hands down, just get one is, um, I, you talk about things happening. So I had, um, I just recently bought an iPad Pro with the stylus. And the only reason I ended up buying it was because I was applying for this job with the chess company and they needed a lot of uh, digital illustrations done in a short period of time. And I was like, you know, I'm going to get this and go for it and try to get this job because it would be steady work for me. And I buy the iPad Pro and I do it and I do the things and I think I have the job. And then it turns out they went a different direction. I was like, well, now I just bought this iPad Pro <laughs> and uh, don't have this, this job I thought I was going to have. Uh, excuse like, me, oh, Sam. Well, what's the return policy? IPad. Yeah. Uh, what's the return policy on yeah. this thing? Uh, yeah. It was that thing. And I decided to keep it. And a month later, they came back to me and it worked out. So it wasn't a waste regardless. But I started using this iPad, which I never would have bought if it weren't for them. Um, and my productivity has like tripled because of this thing. Um, it just, I feel like if you're anyone that draws or illustrates it, it like, it just saves you so much time. Like, for example, if I'm doing a, uh, children's illustration and I draw, let's say it's a bunny with shoes on. I can draw one shoe and then copy and paste it and flip it. And now I have the other shoe. And I can draw half of the face and flip it and I have the other face and it's like symmetrical and it just saves you time. And, you know, if someone's like, oh, you know, can you put the bunny more in the foreground? I can just grab them and expand it and make it bigger instead of having to redraw the whole thing on paper all over again, you know? So iPads are the way to go. And Best Buy has a thing where you can get a card and finance it with no interest for like, 30 bucks a month, you know, so you don't have to buy the whole thing outright. But I think it's a fantastic tool and I wish I would have had it three years ago, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. We get a lot of that where we can see people and, you know, even like the cool part is you can see in their, their stories and, you know, their sites that like they were old school, like hand drawn. And so I, more as like a mental thing of like getting away from the tactile nature of, of the drawing or painting. But to your point, they like, I can, I want to go, go on a boat, you know, sit in a boat or go to the lake and relax. I don't have to bring, you know, 12 brushes and all this paper and stuff. It's just kind of like you're always a build. Like the idea comes, you create it, then you just put it in your bag and go about your, go about your adventures. So, yeah, I think it's, it's pretty wonderful. Totally. And I, I think a lot of artists, you know, you end up becoming a social recluse, right? Because you have your room where you paint and it's where all your stuff's set up. And if you're working on something pretty time intensive, you don't interact with people at all. You know, versus I can take the iPad and go to the coffee shop and sit there and feel like I'm a part of the world, you know, and mm -hmm. do some stuff. But um, so that's the tool. Definitely the game changer tool I would recommend is the iPad Pro with Procreate. Okay. Um, and it's user friendly. What was the other thing you asked about? You asked about another thing. Uh, well, yeah, we'll get to it in a second. I think I, you're leading me to another question. So you mentioned before, oh. you know, you're doing... Um, you know, the, the, the most recent t-shirt, you know, the, the don't drink and drive, which is, you know, the yeah. little, little kid dog, but for, for, uh, 
drought or draft industries. Um, uh, and from there you connected with the, the crew at equilibrium. How did that kind of come to be? You know, you've done some really, you know, cool and unique labels, you know, for them. I think some of their ones that are now staples in their, in their lineup or, or ones that you've done, you know, the, the Einstein one comes to, you know, comes to mind, which, which I love. And my wife's, like I said before, my wife's a science teacher. So all the focus are, or puns on uh, science-related stuff always sits well with me. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, That's so, awesome. Yeah, photon, MC squared, I think, and energy equals, if my memory is correct. And, uh, yeah, and then you've done some of their special release work, special relativity, and then uh, I think the first one that I you know, caught my eye was the vanilla gorilla, which is a cat, but, I mean, it's a whole other thing, right? So how did that kind of come to be, and how is it, like, creating labels? Like, how how, how are you working with them? Once again, that was, uh, I'm going to pay attention to the community instead of always out there. That was the direct result of that. And basically, I made friends with Greg, who owns Draft, and, you know, would go in there. And it was just one of the places where when I didn't know anyone at Beacon, it was a very friendly bar, you know, where you can just sit and it, people are easy to talk to, the bartenders are easy to talk to. So it kind of became one of my spots. and. Um, and Greg really liked the duck book, the little duck who lost his fox. He just really liked it and he wanted to sell it in his bar. So I was like, okay. <laughs> and uh, did that. And he's friends with a guy named Will that works with uh, Equilibrium. And they kind of go back and forth to each other's spots, you know. And, um, and I think he had mentioned the duck book to will and or will had mentioned they were looking for an illustrator so greg connected me with will and the first label they wanted me to do was the einstein label and and that was pre ipad any of that that was all just watercolor um and so yeah they connected me and and told me about the einstein and there was just back and forth communication i just started off with the einstein and went from there, you know, um, and got to know them better in their old space. And now they're about to, you know, do the bunch of stuff to the new space. And, um, yeah, so it just started off with me doing a label for them once every three months or so to doing them much more frequently. Um, and now I can do it faster because my iPad, thank God. But, um, but yeah, so that's kind of how that situation worked out. Just word of mouth and, community you know paying attention to the people already in my life there you go these are the people in your neighborhood right the people that you meet when you're walking down the street um yeah how how do you guys uh brainstorm so okay we want you to do a label julia what what happens next they tell you a style of beer they tell you what they're envisioning for for the label the name of it what what's kind of the what's that process like i mean so the labels normally they have They'll have like a theme, right? So a lot of their stuff is science themed and space themed. Um, so they'll kind of have a general idea of what they want. And what I started off doing for them is like, okay, um, I give them a pretty straightforward idea. So they wanted an astronaut, one of them. So I'm like, okay, an astronaut coming out of a nebula. And then I do... I basically do three different sketches, like rough sketches, and one of them would be a really quirky off the wall idea. And so I did 
astronauts getting sucked into a nebula and they're holding beers, you know, in space or um, variations. So I give them like three different options, like a more traditional option based off of what they said, a quirky one and a middle of the road one. Um, a lot of times they go with the quirky one. But um, so there's out there's yeah, label so outtakes. Just, nice. All right. Yeah. So and, and the thing I've learned with a lot of, you know, the people I work with is I try to get them to be as specific as possible and detailed as possible right from the beginning. Um, and it's one thing if they go, this is our concept. We want you to come up with an idea based off of this concept is one thing but a lot of times i've learned when people are more vague and i do my thing with it they don't realize until i do my thing with it that they did actually have some specific ideas about how they wanted it to go yeah you know what i mean like right and then oh, do whatever you want a lot of <laughs> like oh yeah, you, have but freedom. Not that. you have freedom oh no, no not that like i don't mean freedom by that. that i mean I, I wanted a cat not a chicken like oh, okay you could have just said yeah. that yeah thanks and, you know, like, I don't blame them. I think a lot of people, they just have to physically see something in front of them to start to kind of, like, refine what they yeah. want. But I just try to get all the details up front to save a lot of the back and forth, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, it's how I feel when I watch those, like, home design and remodel shows. Like, if you ask me what I, what's, like, what I like, I would be like, ah, I'm pretty open. And then I see these shows, I'm just like, I do not like that tile. I don't like that thing. And I'm like, oh, who who are you, yeah. first of all? And like, what's going on? But yeah, I completely, I completely yeah, where did agree. All these opinions come yeah, from? why do I care yeah. about, yeah, why do I care about crown molding? Like, what are you talking about, AJ? Or the size of the window? I'm like, oh, you do have some opinions. Yeah. No, but they're, they're really easy to work with. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You just, know, like just, they, yeah. It, yeah, it's just, um, I think, you know, sometimes it's hard to communicate about art or abstract ideas. You know, um, a lot of people, I think, can picture something in their head, but they don't know exactly how to communicate it. Or they see something I did and they're like, there's something they don't, that's kind of off about it to them. And they don't know what it is, you know, and it takes them a while to figure out how to communicate it. Yeah, I think, um, I think that trust or understanding each other's language evolves. And I think that a good sign of that is kind of the fact that it went from one label to now you've done, you know, a significant number of them, you know, in different size, which is cool. You've done cans and the, and the bottles, which I think are just, you know, unique, you know, the, and you, you know, the dragon that you've done and some other ones. So I just, yeah, I think that's a good, that's always a good sign to me is the, the speaking of the same languages the, is the continuing to work together and not just be a one-off collaboration. Yeah, I mean, and the more you work with someone, it starts to get more intuitive where I can be like, oh, they're not going to like this part or this or whatever, you know, and, and figure it out mm-hmm. in advance. But, now, um, now, how much time are you, how much time are you typically given to work? Just for, we'll just talk about the labels. Like how much time are you given for the labels? Um, in the beginning, it was about two weeks. Um, now I try to get them done within three or four days. How about you? So it's just, they, yeah, they benefit off of a faster turnaround time and I can do that now. So, but I just try, I'm like that with, I get, I get a little anxious sometimes with things on my plate. You know, I like to, I don't rush to finish it, but I get kind of antsy until it's done. Okay. You know, like with murals and stuff i get super antsy i'm like i'm gonna finish it <laughs> i can't i can't 
let it sit for too long. Now, do you have a like a style sheet that you utilize like that for the labels? Like, do you do the also like the layout? Because I noticed majority of them have the equilibrium kind of on like the top the top band, but there's I think one or two of them where either it doesn't have like you look at it at first doesn't say equilibrium or it uses the kind of the the big circle stamp on it. Is there is that you or they just post put that on top of it? Like, are you involved to that level or just the art? No, I, all I do is the illustration and then they're, uh, they have a graphic designer that goes in and puts the label on it and the name and all that stuff happens in post. So the, they might tell me like, Hey, leave the top center area open because that's where we're putting the label. You know, I, I won't make anything too busy going on right there, but in general, yeah, I don't do any of that stuff. I just do the art, okay, which is nice because I don't have to worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> all the legal and all this and what have you. Now, are you a beer drinker? Do you enjoy the uh, the fruits of your labor? I enjoy like pale ales, lighter stuff. I definitely mm. enjoy beer. Um, I can't, I feel like my body can't handle too much of it. I love it. I love the way it tastes, but I feel like so bloated and disgusting after like two, you know, that I have yeah. to, you know, I, I'll have a beer. And I love the taste and could drink a lot more, but my body just does not do well with, with too much beer. Yeah, there's the, um, today AJ loves it, tomorrow AJ sometimes does not love it. So, yeah. it's uh, yeah, yeah, and you know, I don't ever feel like I get a hangover from beer. I just feel like my digestive system does not like beer. You know, my taste buds do, but my stomach's like, nope. <laughs> you know, otherwise I, I drink a lot of it. Yeah, I've gone. Yeah, that's why I think the the craft beer thing. I've I've gone for quality over quantity, which has been helpful. It's more about the it's more about the shared experience and the relate like the talking, like you're talking about before, just you know, saddle up and you know, meeting people and catching up with friends and, and what have you. So yeah, I completely, I completely agree. I completely agree. Though I would like to try some of those other barrel aged stouts. I've heard nothing but good things, but you stay. They get crazy with the stouts. Like they're so flat. I always try. Like when they would have big releases, I'd always go try and be like, "How did you do this?" Yeah, that's a, it's a, yeah. It's <laughs> like know? they're magicians. It's like, how did you get that with this? And right, yeah. They are magicians. Like the, the especially like the dessert stouts. I'm like, this is so tasty. I don't know. It's, mm-hmm. The science is above me. Yeah, the, <laughs> the irony, right? The the science of the science focused uh, brewery is great. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, I'm drawing label, labels about science that's like way over my head. <laughs> yeah, they're like uh, it's on the label. Uh, so you're also a musician. Uh, I mean, how are you? How can folks hear your stuff, or how can we? You know, it, it, what, what's going on with that? I mean, you probably have a lot of material to to, to talk about all that's going on now. But you know, how's that? How's yeah. that part of the story? I mean, so with the music stuff, just. During the pandemic, that really slowed down because obviously, you know, people aren't really doing a lot of public gatherings or like restaurants. You know, there's some restaurants that have musicians every now and then, but I think now that things are going back inside because it's cold, there's not going to be that much more of that. But um, so, I mean, honestly, this year for me with the music stuff, it hasn't been a huge year just because of the opportunities, but like, I have a friend, um, Sean, that lives in Newburgh, that is an excellent guitar player. Um, 
and he's just a really good dude. Like he, he likes to go play in, in nursing homes for people, uh, for Alzheimer's patients and stuff, but his, uh, that's his full-time gig is, um, being a musician and he's one of those guitar players that you can just start singing something in any key and he just figures it out he doesn't have to ask you like what do you do like he can just figure it out <laughs> um so he's really talented but we started playing together as a duo called after the ball um and we do kind of whatever we want but we <laughs> do like some bossa nova stuff um, some like pop stuff and jazz and just more old school. Um, but we don't really restrict ourselves too much. It's just whatever we feel particularly passionate about playing or learning at the moment. But, um, and he sings as well. So we harmonize together, but so, yeah, I mean, I have a Facebook page for after the ball and I kind of feel like I'm like, man, I need to get some gigs going because I feel like Sean's like losing it with boredom probably. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so it's just acoustic duo. Um, and we do a lot of kind of easy listening type stuff. Um, so that's a lot of fun. And then, you know, we ended the last one with dancing queen just because we felt like it. So there's an mm-hmm. element of spontaneity and not knowing what's coming next. Oh, so, um, live music. But oh, yeah, we did, so we did, um, a thing for safe harbors on the Hudson. It was like a fundraiser thing because normally they have a concert series that got canceled obviously because of the pandemic. And, um, and we did the Facebook live thing and it just killed me because we set up in the backyard, camera sounded good. The audio sounded good. We're all ready to go. I watch it later. Like 60% of it, the sound was like trash, (laughs) you know, (laughs) so it's kind of frustrating but we're just kind of we're at the point where we're kind of looking out for restaurants to play at you know like just local venues to to play at every now and then um and you know so that that's kind of there that's like dormant on the back burner um but yeah so as far as music goes it's weird it's I I feel like one of my challenges or one of the things I feel frustrated by is like if I predominantly focus on illustration for a really long time and I completely neglect music stuff, I feel this weird like phantom limb pain. Like, oh, you didn't do that. You know, you need to do this. Or, and my mom's the worst. She'll be like, when are you singing? Where are you singing this? I wish you could sing more. I'm like, what do you want me to do? <laughs> so many hours in a day, like, you know, um, so, but I do, I feel this kind of like um, antsiness with the music stuff right now where I want to write things, um, write new stuff, but I just don't feel it yet. Like I don't, you know, normally I'll be like, ah, oh, I got to write down this idea or that idea. And I, I just don't have that vibe yet. Maybe it'll come back over the winter. Um, but so I don't know. It's it's a strange phase for music things right now. That's the truth. But other than that, just after the ball is looking for some places to play <laughs> that aren't mm-hmm. too cramped during COVID. Yeah. So that leads us to kind of our our last question, which is has nothing really 
specific, but as someone who plays music, loves music, do you have certain music or bands or musicians that you're listening to when you're creating? Uh, this is more. Oh know, man. Yeah. Totally. Um, one of my favorites is pink martini. Okay. They are okay. So when I'm drawing or like typing emails or something, I can't listen to actual English lyrics because it's distracting words. I find distracting sometimes. Um, and Pete Martini, they sing in a lot of different languages. So it kind of gets lost in the background because there's no words that are like popping out for me. I'm drawing or doing things. But these just got some great songs. It's just every song feels like vacation. They're just, oh, it's just great. I Yeah, I highly recommend some Pink Martini. Um, it's kind of a bossa nova style. Um, I can recommend specific songs. Let me see. But they're just. They're just so good. And I and I, I feel like, you know, anytime I mention them, people are like, oh, I love them. I've listened to everything they've ever done. Or they're like, who? <laughs> you know? Um, but there's one called Storm. That's acapella. That's great. Basically, anything off the Dream a Little Dream album is great. Okay. Well, um, since you have your phone or whatever your device is looking at what you've... What are the, let's say, we'll get greedy. What are the last five uh, either artists or albums you listen to? Um, okay, so Pink Martini's one, the Dream a Little Dream album. There is one that came out a while ago, an album called Revamp. Okay. And it's all the Elton John songs covered by modern artists. And it's just really cool, really yeah. cool, fresh take on all the Elton John stuff. Um, my favorite song off the album is, I guess that's why they call it the blues by Alessia Cara. Um, another one. Another one of my favorites to listen to. Trying to just while I'm trying to take a chill pill or I'm like cleaning or something is the, the soundtrack from Big Little Lies. You know the show Big Little Lies mm -hmm. on HBO? Yeah. The soundtrack off of that show is awesome. It's so good. Um, they've got Flaming Lips on there, a bunch of artists I'd never heard of on there, but that's excellent soundtrack. Um, where am I at? Is that three? <laughs> it's three. Yeah. Three. Yeah. Three. Okay. I mean, another default. Um, for me is Radiohead. No explanation needed. Yep. God, I don't, I don't even know which, uh, I mean, for creating, um, in rainbows is my favorite. Uh, that just, I mean, Radiohead's such an obvious, like everybody loves Radiohead, but that specific album just, it just gets me in a vibe. I can't explain it. It's just this tangible, calm, focused, Let's make some stuff. Kind of a vibe. Um, and gosh, a fourth one. I think. Um, I mean, I really like, maybe this is kind of a cheese ball answer, but do you know um, Lindsay Sterling? No. 
So Lindsay Sterling does like pop dance music, but she she plays the violin, but it's the electric violin. So it's like really upbeat, energetic stuff with a violin and it's pop. Okay. And almost all of it's instrumental, but she's she's pretty popular. She's got like she does a lot of concerts and yeah. But that's that's great for just something for you know, when you need to wake up and do some work. <laughs> yeah, there's an artist like that. Her name is um Holly Bowling. Like the I guess I was gonna say like the sport, and I don't mean to throw shade at people. I just it's just kinda of funny to say it. Like bowling like Lebowski, I'll say. Um and oh nice yeah and she does these instrumental versions of these great like grateful dead and fish and all these other like you know non-classical piano type bands and it's like she'll she'll write these you know the pieces you know for these famous shows and yeah so she's it's kind of went from i think she started as like a youtube just kind of like somebody trying to have a creative outlet you know and kind of finding her her place and now she has these does these great shows and you know she plays with other you know other artists in the scene so yeah it's, I, I always love when people make their own creative spin on something and kind of uh it's one thing to be you know cover band which we all you know are fun and we all love but just kind of when when you make it your own it's uh it's awesome yeah i just uh just followed her on spotify so i can listen to the thing oh good so, well i'm cool. glad i'm glad to i'm glad to share i don't know what my last five were but uh i will uh but yeah, I thought of, I thought of that while I was talking to you. I think I was listening to Kid A recently. So with your with your radio head, we're we're aligned. Let's see, we're the last five. Oh, so that okay. one, so good. Yeah, that was a, like to me. That's like the first album with like headphones, like that. Just kind of like it was not just straight ahead. Like the panning and this whole the whole musical experience. You know, for me it was. I mean, I think I was probably pretty high when I listened to it. So that might have been you know correlated to it. But yeah, I remember being in Manhattan. Yeah, and yeah, it was just wonderful. You, you like have to. Kid A is not like soundtrack while you're doing something else music. No. It's like you stop what you're doing and sit down and listen to it because it's so good. Yeah, I was in a. <laughs> I think I was in a. I was. We were at somebody's apartment in Manhattan. I was sitting like in a beanbag chair and just you know, life was pretty good. And then I remember like they put on these headphones and it wasn't like cool like Dre Beats headphones or like modern ones it was like old school like 70s almost like airport hangar style ones like over my head and uh and i just remember i think yeah like hour plus later i, I you know I, I i escaped and was like i was changed forever so yeah yeah oh. yeah i might have to, I might have to do it. i might have to do that later oh <laughs> uh, mm. yeah well well, Julia, you've been uh, a wonderful guest. Uh, if we ever break off into our own podcast, you're going to be my co-host because you're just uh, super easy to talk to and, you know, great stories and, and I don't know, perspective and, perspective and advice through all your adventures. I think that, you know, you're, you know, I wish you nothing, you know, but success. If there's anything that we can do with our community to help your community, uh, we're more than happy to, to do that and maybe we'll play some chess together. Likewise, thank you for having me on your podcast, and I would love to help help you grow it, turn it into something really right. cool, not for the they, but for your people. For us, yeah, exactly, yeah, I, exactly. I mean, I think that uh, I was just thinking about, yeah, while we were talking, and there's a, and 
you know, somebody who's, who's listening, you know, he was, he re- reached out to me once and, you know, he's a, a teacher and he's upstate New York. I'm not even sure if he, he might be near you. Uh, you can follow him on Instagram, cleat and crayon. And, you know, he reached out to me and said, you know, it's part of my Friday routine. I listen every week and I don't know, sometimes you get those messages and they really, they really move you. And I was really, it was really kind of powerful. It wasn't, I don't think that was his intention at all, but it was just kind of like, you know, just a quick note to say thank you. And I was like, holy shit, like that's, you know, it means a lot. So, so yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I thank you. You, I appreciate all you're doing and uh, I look forward to us brainstorming and seeing what we can do in the future. Awesome. Likewise. Well, thank you so much for having me. All right. Be safe. Yeah. Be safe and keep creating. Well, good. Yeah, exactly. I think art and creativity make the world a better place. And, uh, you know, you're doing, you're doing your part. And, uh, yeah, again, everybody, the one and only Julia Green, Julia Green artist who sings, who doesn't sing as much recently, but is, is itching to get back to make her mom happy. So, uh, (laughs) I'm trying mom, I'm, you know, get her to sing. So, but, uh, yeah, so. So follow along and uh, support your local artists. Thanks so much, Julie. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye. 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 Ma chambre a la forme d'une cage. Le soleil passe son bras par la fenêtre. Les chasseurs à ma porte comme les petits soldats. Ah, sacré blue. Ah, mes amis. Yeah. yeah. That's a wrap, folks. You listen to episode 173, the extremely talented, philosophical, wonderful perspective, hardworking, creative, adaptive, the co-host of this episode, Miss Julia Green. Remember, Julia Green, artist, artist who sings. You can go to jgreenaws for artistwhosings.com. Support her store, Julia Green's store on Instagram. Go to Etsy, buy some shit, support a local artist. Everybody should be doing it. We thank you for your continued support. We thank you for you know all the great things and just for you being a, you know a part of our community. We are we are blessed uh, as we as we mentioned. I think everybody, you know, we really can't do this without you. Obviously, I mean, we well, guess we could, but if you're not listening. You know, it really kind of uh, would you know, would be for naught. But special thanks once again, as we mentioned in the episode, to Mr. Cleet and Crayon. We always appreciate the support. But, uh, you know, when somebody reaches out or just says something kind or does something kind, they have nothing, nothing to get from it, nothing to gain. That really, uh, that really says a lot about a person. So we're really, really excited. We will be announcing probably soon. We're going to get some t-shirts coming out want a special thanks and we'll formally announce it stupid rad merch you can follow them online stupid rad merch on instagram our boy uh simeon over there as well as uh, matthew ryan sharp you can get some green t-shirts with a little pre-order so make sure you get those they're gonna look super fun get a big one make it into a night shirt whatever it's getting you know whatever just support your local local artist, your local podcast, and then we'll hopefully have a deal that we can share with you as well. So we thank you once again. You've been listening to the 16-ounce canvas, the art of craft for your podcast. So here it is, folks. We'll be doing a book in the future. We'll say in 2021, we'll have more information for you. you know, merch is coming out. 
Please check out the squad and the fam over at Beer Culture. We thank you once again. You're wonderful people. We're blessed to have you in our life. Our community is something special. And Donald Trump's not the fucking president anymore. What? What? Well, he is, but he's not. Whatever. A couple more weeks, month, whatever. Just wear a fucking mask so we can probably celebrate. Cheers. <laughs>